0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Horowitz.
1: And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimens standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Thursday, the 29th of September. And as the weather gets cooler, Got myself a little bit of a cold here, so my voice is a little strained. Um, And we do not have a guest today, so you're stuck with me the entire time. But as always, we will have content nobody else has. Because we are always forward-looking, focusing on what we can do about the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. And I'll be honest with you, those of you who saw me yesterday on Steve's show... I was kind of up against the wall. He kept saying, well, you know, you're basically saying that on every issue that matters, not only are Republicans not being helpful, but they're actually the source of the problem or they exacerbate the problem. They add on to it. We talked about the budget bill um, that they plan on giving final passage either tonight or tomorrow, Friday. <clears throat> He's like, well, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? And I'll be honest, you know. I have a couple of ideas, and we've talked about reforming uh, primaries to conventions, obviously what to do at a local level, um, issue-based strike force teams, but I will tell you, there is nothing that we can do that will work alone without the help of God. At the end of the day, there is no earthly solution that could solve the morass that we're in, but that's also the good news. Because God doesn't expect us to save the world because we're outgunned out. Man, he didn't give us the tools to do that. He expects us to do what we can. To put our hands on this wheel, guide it correctly, step on that gas pedal as much as we can, and he will do the rest, whatever that means, wherever he plans on taking us. When When you have this hurricane in Florida, it's a good time to reflect on just how powerless we are. It was just awe-striking to watch the entire Tampa Bay cleared out from a hurricane, just emptied out like like it describes uh, the splitting of the Red Sea in the Bible, just dried up. I mean, we saw it right there. The notion that somehow we could affect uh, natural disasters is absurd. And you see the tragedy that even with the very... You know, strong preparation in Florida, warning people to evacuate. It kept moving up and down and up and down. And, you know, right before it looked like it would go a little bit more north to Tampa. So the people at the southern end of it, let's say more Naples for Myers. You know, Sarasota, I think they were kind of always in the middle, so they evacuated. But Naples for Myers, there were some people that just didn't have enough time. They didn't think it was going to come there. It jogged south. We couldn't even predict within a few hours. And it just demonstrates That God controls the world, we do not. But as I noted last week from Hosea 14, lip service matters, even though the term has gotten a bad rap, but it matters to serve God with our lips, to utter the truth. It is that important that we literally serve God with our words, because our actions are very limited, even if they're righteous. What distinguishes us from animals is speech. When I was a kid, I used to think, when I just became fascinated with politics and like a crazy kid, I was fascinated with it from the time I was three years old. And I always thought, okay, well, you know, there's principles and ideals. Wow, you know, this is how it should be, but, you know, we're just a bunch of kooks. Obviously, I grew up pretty religious, and I still am. And, uh, you know, I figured... Very few people are like that. This is not the type of world that you could successfully project the glory of God in its fullness. And therefore, there's Republican politics. So there's the ideals for your, you know, private life. And then there's, you know, what you think you can accomplish, which is the Republican Party. And where has that gotten us? Where has that gotten us after all these years? It's become abundantly clear. That a fraction of the movement of the size of the Republican Party that is intrepid, that is consistent, that doesn't have a glass jaw, that's consistent, principled, smart, articulate in their views, but goes all out, if the truth leads us to believe that our government is a terrorist government up and down, a transhumanist government, worse than anything Al-Qaeda did, then that's what it is. We have to articulate it in the smartest way. It is what it is. There's no posturing. Posturing hasn't gotten us anywhere. And I'm here to tell you that it's quality over quantity, quality over quantity. It should be abundantly clear that the number of seats that Republicans win does not matter. In fact, as we've noted and we've proven, they're subversive in so many ways you go backwards. It's not a matter of, Oh, the lesser of two evils. It's like saying you have one man arsoning a building and another man standing as the lookout to block anyone from coming in and and blocking. When you say, well, the blocker is the lesser of two evils. Well, no. What are you talking about? One can't work without the other. They're part of the same thing. And if you can't see that by now, you're blind. This lesser of two evils crap is strategically wrong. And it's morally wrong. And it's time we move away from that and focus on quantity. uh, I'm sorry, quality. So it's Carrie Lake. It's Doug Mastriano. It's a handful of House members, particularly if you have good local ones. But not just, oh, they're better than the Democrat, which often they're not. But that you know that they will articulate the issues that matter in the way they matter, uh, at the time they matter, propose the ideas that will actually put points on the board God will then bless those actions with results. That's become abundantly clear in my mind. Why we need to focus on, we don't, it's not our job, even if you w- believe like it's better for Oz to be elected, which I don't, it's not our job to do that. We have enough of our people to focus on and too few resources. So electorally, that's how I view it. Focus on Quality, not quantity. Okay? Now, I, I just also wanted to say in, in terms of, and I'm doing this to empower you, not to depress you. I want to play about a two-minute quote here from Jacinda, the maniacal psychopath, uh, prime minister of New Zealand, talking about misinformation. It's, it's extremely creepy, extremely scary, demonstrates the time we're living in, but at the same time, it is very empowering. Take a listen to Jacinda right here.
2: This week, we launched an initiative alongside companies and nonprofits to help improve research and understanding of how a person's online experiences are curated by automated processes. This will also be important in understanding more about mis- and disinformation online, a challenge that we must, as leaders, address. Sadly, I think it's easy to dismiss this problem as one in the margins. I can certainly understand the desire to leave it to someone else. As leaders, we're rightly concerned that even the most light-touch approaches to disinformation could be misinterpreted as being hostile to the values of free speech that we value so highly. But while I cannot tell you today what the answer is to this challenge, I can say with complete certainty that we cannot ignore it. To do so poses an equal threat to the norms we all value. After all, how do you successfully end a war if people are led to believe the reason for its existence is not only legal but noble? How do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists? How do you ensure the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology? The weapons may be different, but the goals of those who perpetuate them is often the same. To cause chaos and reduce the ability of others to defend themselves. To disband communities. To collapse the collective strength of countries who work together but we have an opportunity here to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established part of warfare. In these times, I'm acutely aware of how easy it is to feel disheartened. We are facing many battles on many fronts. But there is cause for optimism, because for every new weapon we face, there is a new tool to overcome it. For every attempt to push the world into chaos is a collective conviction to bring us back to order. We have the means. We just need the collective will. So folks, you heard that.
1: About misinformation, we can't ignore it. She, she talked about treating it like marketing, just like you have to study how to convince people to buy a product. You have to study how to properly convince people to go along <coughs> with transhumanism and, you know, their whole agenda from COVID to global warming. You see how important global warming is to her. And she called it she called speech a weapon of war. And she said, we have new tools to overcome it. And we have the means. Do we have the will? So again that's very creepy as we well know while in general we haven't yet in the United States had people that you know would go on social media and say you know the vaccines are horrible and immediately the FBI kicks in their door and throws them in the gulag But we are one step away from it because we do have everyone that they're censored. They immediately lose their accounts. And then we do have people that for nebulous crimes or BS crimes, but really because of their views on those issues, the FBI does raid them in the middle of the night. Okay? So, for example, no one embodies this more than Simone Gold. Dr. Gold, who was one of the earliest um, truth tellers on COVID and treatment of covid Technically, no, they didn't uh, grab her and throw her in jail for 60 days because she said stuff on COVID. It was because she was at the Capitol. But again, what does it mean to be at the Capitol? She walked in there, gave a speech, and left. Since when does someone go to jail for that? Clearly, it was because of who she was. So we are literally a step behind that. We cannot wait any longer. If we wait any longer we won't have the ability to fight but at the same time it's extremely empowering because you know i'm i'm listening to these people and they sound like they're beleaguered it sounds like they're besieged oh my gosh there's just people that don't believe and they're they're harming people and we can't do anything about it but we we really should and we're thinking like, what are you talking about? I mean, you got 99% of the world to go along with your stuff. You are more successful than you could ever be. You're, you're winning every political battle. Every country has a false flag party. I mean, there's almost nothing you don't win. I mean, and that's not enough for you. But that's the thing. As much as just speaking the truth doesn't sound very action-oriented. If we stop putting out mealy mouth stuff and directly speak about some of the things we did yesterday with Whitney Webb. Not just this stupid Republican, Democrat, political Trump this, Trump that, uh, defend, offense. It's just all nonsense. If we actually focus on the issues that matter articulated, it's devastating to them. Meaning, we, as much as the Fourth Reich is kinetic in many ways, I mean, the FBI is grabbing people, and certainly in other countries they're doing that. We do have gulags. It still is very subtle. I mean, it's not like the U.S. got up there and put out a statement and said, yeah, we blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, even though we know they did. It's still subtle. We're still not quite there yet. And they still need the cover of darkness. They still need a degree of subtlety, even though to those of us who follow it, it's like they blatantly say things and you know, they're unashamed about it. But again, they know most of the public doesn't listen to what Jacinda says. They don't, most people don't even know who she is in the United States. Right? So they do need people fooled. And that's why they are so frantic about information control, even though they control 95% of it. But that little crack of light in the door illuminating the darkness of communism, the darkness of transhumanism, despotism, the pagan rituals is devastating because they are built on such absurd falsehoods that require complete mass psychosis for people to go along with it. So once you gum up the works, everyone's like, yeah, that's stupid. Air Canada put out a statement saying that Trudeau is stupid with the mask mandates on the planes. The statement sounded like me. Now, it sounded like me, let's see, two years and three months later, okay? But that just tells me, imagine if a greater group of us would have been saying what I was saying on masks early enough. Maybe we could have gotten to that point six months later. So I'm here to tell you words do matter. Advocacy does matter. Talk is not just cheap. It's cheap talk is cheap. What you hear on cable news, what you hear from the top, most of the top 10 to 20 conservative talkers, what you hear from Fox News is cheap. But it doesn't have to be that way. And they're, they're scared. They're deathly afraid of us. You see that. If I were them, I would laugh all the way to the bank. They control everything. Why are they so scared? So that's something we can do. But then there are things we shouldn't do. I don't know what the solution is. But what I do know is doubling down on failure, exalting and promoting the very people, entities, organizations, political movements and figures that caused the problem and still are clueless about the nature, the who and the what of the problem, Shouldn't be our hope and aspiration. And I'm sorry to say, included in that, or probably at the top of that chain, is Donald J. Trump. He is an utter distraction. Everywhere you turn, he is the problem. Okay, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And this is not to say, oh, I think Ron DeSantis is the solution. You know my opinion on that. I I would rather you know, change the laws in Florida and have him run for three terms as governor or something and then use that as a platform to create a national divorce and be the head of the new red states. But, you know, because to me the entire notion that you're going to fix the federal government, there's nothing to fix. It's like saying I'm going to fix the mullahs. I'm going to fix China. You, you can't, I'm going to fix the CCP. You're not going to fix it. You have to break away from it. Neutralize it, confine it. Not run it. You're never going to run it. But anyway, The Federalist has an article out today on GOP senators baffled by Mitt Romney's ploy to oust Mike Lee. Now personally, I don't think Mike Lee is that much of a threat to the system, but for a guy like Mitt Romney, he thinks he is. And I was thinking... This one-way reciprocity, this one-way street, how we're always like, no matter what, Daniel, you have to support Mitt Romney types in the general election. And then Mike Lee did support him. By the way, there was a challenger and who won the convention there, except they gutted the power, the finality of the convention, so Romney was able to run in a primary. And Trump and Mike Lee supported him. And now the guy, you know, you play with snakes, you get bitten by them. By the way, this also explains... How, how uh, No one can understand negative efficacy. Well, Daniel, it's always better to vote for a Republican in the general. No, Mitt Romney is showing you the negative energy. And I'm, I'm telling you, a guy like Oz is going to be that way. But back to Trump. Trump endorsed him. He endorsed Greg Abbott. Do you understand that was the most important election of our lifetime, was the Texas primary. What is the most important state to get a DeSantis in? Texas. Okay, hands down. No, no close second. And at a time he could have endorsed either Alan West or Don Huffines, or just said either one and don't vote for Greg Abbott. He endorsed Greg Abbott, undercut us. We never had a chance. I bring that up because Dr. Henson called me last night. Hundreds of you were treated by him. He should win a Congressional Medal of Honor. Instead, he's about to lose his medical license in Texas at the hands of the Texas Medical Board under the auspices of Greg, something that rhymes with Abbott, for not having worn a mask. That mask regime in 2020 by Greg Abbott, why was it adopted as viscerally by Republican governors as Democrats? Because the Trump administration, I'm sick of, oh, CDC, Fauci. Who ran it? It was Trump, Kushner, all those people, Pence. I'm sick of it. And we're going to reward him and and fall on our swords to defend him every second. Everything's about him, him, him. He needs to go away. In that vein, I meant to get to this last week. Maggie Haberman, one of these snake, former New York Times and Politico writer, she writes for the Atlantic now, she posted a long article, three conversations with Donald Trump. It was post-presidency. And right away I'm thinking... Why the heck is this guy sitting down with Maggie Haberman three times? I mean, if you're going to do something like that, sit down with uh, Dan Bongino three times or whatever. I mean, what are you doing? So what I'm about to read to you, some of my people, well, Daniel, that's her perception. That's the media. She's lying. No, because Trump obviously trusted her three times to invite her to Mar-a-Lago. So Trump trusted her. I'm going to trust what she's saying about him. I'm going to read to you a couple of quotes and then comment on them. Okay? Trump also complained to me about senators successfully practicing this type of power politics against him, as Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz had when they persuaded Trump not to back a challenge to colleague Nebraska's Ben Sass. Trump gave a surprise endorsement to Sass, who then, after winning a re-election, voted to convict Trump during a second impeachment. Quote, like a schmuck, I went along with it, Trump said. Well, I can't disagree with him. He's right in his uh, self-characterization there. But that's the thing: if you're a fool that every second you get taken in by Lindsey Graham, I can't help you. I'm sorry. And there's no, there's there's no um evidence that that has changed. She writes, "When I arrived at the Trump National Golf Club Bedminster." I waited in a small off-the-front entrance. I spotted Lindsey Graham outside in golf pants. It was the second time I had encountered him in Trump's vicinity that year. Trump eventually entered the room, having lost a noticeable amount of weight, yada yada. Graham followed a minute later and gestured toward Trump. The greatest comeback in American history, Graham declared. Trump looked at me. You know why Lindsey kisses my ASS, he asked. So I'll endorse his friends. Graham left uproariously. Here, so, folks, here's the deal. So Trump says, yeah, he likes... Skin, but he, it's true. He, he continues doing it. I'm saying he, he could kick him out. He could say, you're worthless. I don't know what Lindsey has over him. But the point is, it's not like there's any evidence Trump has changed. I wish there were. Let me go on. <clears throat> she says, at one point, Trump made a candid admission that was as jarring as it was ultimately, ultimately unsurprising. The question I get asked more than any other question, if you had to do it again, would you have done it, Trump said of running for president. So Trump asked his own question. So you see, Trump, Trump badly wanted to get this point out. Would you have run again? So he says, the answer is yeah, I think so. Because here's the way I look at it. I have so many rich friends and nobody knows who they are. Now, again, you might say, well, that's Maggie Haberman trying to make a fool out of him. Well, then that's Trump's fault for sitting down with her. But at the end of the day, I think you all know this is how the man thinks. Everything is a game. He's like a little puppy that you play fetch with. Everything is a game. Like, he learns how to play it. So rather than, than, than kicking the table over and throwing over the game, he plays the game. He wants to be loved by his enemies. He loves talking about the media, but at the end of the day, he loves it. I remember when Kushner got him to support Jailbreak, he loved the fawning media over it, over being a pro-criminal idiot. He loved it. I'm telling you. It's disgusting. So it's all about, that. that's what it is. That's what it is for him. You know, what's the point of being rich in life if no one knows who you are? That's the way this man thinks. I'm not going to tell you that he never did anything good, never said anything good. Doesn't have in his heart any love for America, love to change the, you know, the country for the better. Um, on some small percentage of the nature of evil, understands that it exists and wants to change it. But a, he's utterly clueless. B, he surrounded himself with idiots. And C. At some point, yet the man himself is extremely flawed as a human being, and those flaws just overshadow that. Doesn't mean he doesn't have principles, but that personal desire to play the game, fame, you know, image, it does run deeply with him. That's the reality. She goes on to say, I heard that Trump was describing. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in similar terms. Oh no, no, no. Well let me well let me let me go go here first. Over the course of our conversation he appeared reluctant to take shots at many of those people on whom I knew him to have been toughest beyond the closed doors. Coward. His campaign manager, Brad uh, Parscale, spent money unwisely, he said. But he didn't criticize him beyond that. I asked why he had given Jared Kushner expansive power. I didn't, Trump said, although he had done exactly that. When I pressed, Trump said, look, my daughter has a great relationship with him, and that's very important. So our country had to suffer. This man, do you know that Kushner just recently criticized DeSantis for not being humane enough to the illegals? He was the one who ran the immigration policy. As Whitney Webb said yesterday, he was the one who brought in the transhumanists. He's largely responsible for the COVID response. Brownstone Institute has a great article on that. Um, truly, truly unbelievable. It was all because of his stupid, either personal sensibilities, obsessions, character flaws, that we are where we are. So again, because of the perception of who Trump was and what they thought he was capable of, they reacted in a nuclear fashion as if he were a Ron DeSantis, but DeSantis, but he wasn't. And in fact, often because he wanted to play the game, he accomplished for the left what they, what they never could. What they never could do alone. So in many respects, he is actually like Boehner, McConnell, McCarthy, everything we've hated about Republicans, but on steroids. Because he's viewed as the more conservative part of the party and the base and the movement. And still, this is what he wants. The DREAM Act, the this, the COVID. Never forget We have doctors losing their licenses for not wearing a mask in Texas. That's because of him in two ways. A, he promulgated it from the top, and B, he endorsed Greg Abbott. And then she says, I heard that Trump was describing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in similar terms, calling him fat, phony, and whiny while claiming credit for making his candidacy in 2018. Now, again, to be clear, that part is hearsay. That's not, she's not alleging that he said that in the interview, you know, those three times at Mar-a-Lago. She's just throwing that in. But again, if Trump's going to sit down with her three times and obviously has no problem with this piece, he didn't attack it. So I'm inclined to believe it then. You tell me where I'm wrong. It is at best a distraction, but more likely subversive. He has a desire to be liked by his enemies, which is why he could never crush them. I hear from people who are involved with the whole America First Policy Institute that he never learned the the lesson. (laughs) The snakes are still in his orbit. And again, remember, Kushner brought in the transhumanists. There's this clip of him out there saying... That his will be the first generation that will live forever. So, folks, this is all to say at a minimum, we need to slay the idols. Stop wasting your energy, your morality, your rhetoric, your political capital on things that usually harm us. Let's die on our own hills. Let's fall on our own swords, not on other people's swords. I'm sorry, but I don't consider that man in the trenches with us. I never did, but I wasn't going to be bitter for four years. So I was like, look, I'll try to guide, offer advice, help. This is what needs to be done. This is what needs to be done. Praised him when he did good things, pushed him to g- get better. When he was subversive on things like crime, I crushed him, and that's what it is. It's not about a person. It's not like oh, I have a better candidate. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's no secret. DeSantis does a hundred times better on every single measure. But I, I, I don't think that that would help anyway at a federal level. So I want to move on, but not so much move on to the FBI, because it's a good transition. The FBI is literally grabbing Americans for nothing, and no one cared for a year and a half. Julie Kelly and a few others. Warned about this. It wasn't until Trump, when they raided him, that everyone cared. But even then, it's only talking point deep. Where is the impetus to do anything about it? Do you know that they're going to fund the FBI fully at record levels? Like, it was up to like $12 billion <clears throat> annual budget. And there's so many other budgets they have control over. Because they basically control DEA. They control the marshals. They control even the CIA often. Or they use the CIA domestically. They commandeer a lot of local and state resources, that, and that needs to change. And they're, they're well on their way to passing a CR within 24 hours that will basically take the entire fiscal year out of our hands. Technically, we could fight December 16th and say, don't pass an omnibus, and, and we will fight it at the time. But you know, this really harms our leverage in, in doing that. That will be our last opportunity. So Republicans will be like, oh, you know, like yesterday they they made a big deal that they have this bill to redirect funding for eighty-seven thousand IRS agents to the you know border security. But again, that's a standalone piece of legislation, and you're going to see a lot of that. The Republicans they'll pass it out of the House; it won't get go beyond there, can't go beyond there. It's all about the budget bills. Notice they're never promising to fight. Then they're frauds, but they're going to have all these standalone bills. Oh. Look, if we only had 60 seats in the Senate and the presidency, you see, we'd be able to pass it. So the FBI, the FBI. There's a very important article out today in the New York Post. Kudos to Miranda Devine has been doing great reporting on this um, at the Washington Post. And again, you know, good news, good news. I mean, I lost faith in humanity when we didn't see any law enforcement coming out. So now 30, 30 former FBI agents, including a retired deputy assistant director, head of counterterrorism, and five SWAT team members have spoken out publicly in support of suspended FBI whistleblower Stephen Friend. Um, And as you would expect, I mean, FBI, SWAT, these are serious guys. Again, you're typically not going to have your, you know, hippie lefty in that. So where are these guys? So some of them are starting to come, and I think this is a very, very promising, auspicious, very um, important revelation, important trend that needs to be harnessed, but no one's harnessing it. It's time to stop the FBI from being the enforcer of a political party's ideology, said Ernie Tibaldi, a retired agent from San Francisco. We need to reestablish the FBI as the apolitical and independent law enforcement entity that it always was. He expressed gratitude to Friend for having the courage to stand up to the corruption that has taken over the leadership of the FBI. Many former agents hailed Friend, a SWAT team member in Florida, as a hero after he was punished for refusing to participate in what he regarded as unnecessarily heavy-handed SWAT raids over January 6th misdemeanors. And he basically says that they were manipulating case file management in order to falsely inflate the threat of domestic terrorism. Another guy, Terry Turchie, a former deputy assistant director of the FBI's counterterrorism division, describes friends as a model example of what FBI agents should be. Um, Said he's proud of him. Listen to this. Turchi, who led the Unabomber task force, if you remember that in the 90s, says he didn't even use a SWAT team in 1996 to arrest Theodore Kaczynski, who um, they think killed three peop- people, injured 23 others. No real FBI agent would defend the position of using SWAT teams to arrest nonviolent senior citizens and others with political opinions not currently tolerated by this administration, compounded by the idea that many of these cases involve misdemeanor criminal charges. This activity actually generates tension in communities and increases the potential for tragic results. Another SWAT guy says, um, Special Agent David Baldovin... I was involved in numerous arrests where we never used any SWAT teams. The current use, or I should say abuse, has been outrageous. Um, another guy, Bob Frickle, he served from 1987 to 2008. When I see the FBI using extreme SWAT tactics on elderly and other citizens who pose no physical threat, it makes me sick. I participated in many searches authorized by legally obtained search warrants. All included serious felonies. The only time I recall participating in a pre-dawn raid in which we all wore body armor involved an extremely violent motorcycle gang. And uh, they all attest to the brave stand of uh, Agent Friend, Terry Turchie, the FBI's first head of counterterrorism and a retired frontline agent of almost 30 years felt it was his moral duty to support friend and that's the thing i mean the retired guys have no excuse for not coming out um and he said after 9/11 FBI employees including the management of the New York field office sounded the alarm over the abuse of national s- uh, security surveillance powers they, gave, they voiced these concerns, concerns to Mueller. Of course, Mueller rejected that. Um, the FBI has been collapsed into nothing more than a policy agency for the Democrat Party. This is the first head. This is the first FBI head of counterterrorism. has now come out and said that the FBI... Is basically the enforcement arm, the muscle of the Democrat Party. And yet to this day, there is no platform of the GOP to dismantle it. Again, two part plan. Governors say they're disinvited from the state and do many things to gum up the works. We talked about that two weeks ago. And at a federal level, they have a funding fight. And structurally, they need to say that we need to, if you don't wanna fully abolish it, you need to narrow its purview. We don't need a standing army. The FBI is is basically a domestic standing army. We have an army. We have state and local police, a lot of them, and then we have many other federal agencies. The FBI is all-encompassing. There's nothing they cannot get involved in. There's nothing they don't get involved in. That's not what our founders envisioned. That's a standing army. They have every authority. They have every power, every resource, surveillance, weapon. There's nothing they can't do. You know, you can't say, oh, no, no, posse comitatus, we don't have the military operating. Well, what the hell do you think the FBI is? (laughs) It's bigger and more officious and all-encompassing than any military that our founders could have envisioned. So, at a minimum, its purview needs to be narrowed to, to primarily foreign threats. Anything domestically needs to be spelled out very clearly. Their carte blanche license to surveil and listen into conversations needs to be quashed. And they need to be completely, completely kept away from anything that looks political, whether it is or not. You know, um, I'm hoping to get the family on the show. Uh, the wife was on with Tucker. But this case of <coughs> Mark <coughs> Houck He's the founder of the King's Men, and a pro-life organization that protests abortions. And basically every Wednesday he, you know, sits outside the sidewalk of a Planned Parenthood in Philly and and, uh, counsels people. In October 2021, while he was doing that, someone threatened his son and yelled obscenities. Literally all he did was push him away. He was never charged and the man tried to sue him and was unsuccessful. So from a from a civil way, criminal way, this is why everyone's like, "Daniel, you can't be a conservative and say abolish the FBI. That sounds like the left abolish ICE." No, because ICE, immigration is national purview or it should be. Now the states need to take it away, but that's what it was designed for. Here, you have something called local law enforcement. And literally someone he shoved someone and and it was And they determined, no, I mean, it was, you know, we're not going to press charges either way. It's one of these situations. And then suddenly, suddenly, September 23rd, 25 to 30 armed FBI agents raid his home at 7.05 in the morning. He has a bunch of kids. They pointed guns at them. And he's being charged with violating a law called the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances. Which makes it a crime to injure, intimidate, and interfere with anyone because the person is a provider of reproductive health. Reproductive health. He's facing a maximum of 11 years in prison, 3 years of supervised release, and fines up to 350000 And yet no one cares. And by the way, our listener, Fred, sends this to me, and I think this is very important. Remember the guy David Hogg, the really skinny kind of Soros guy that suddenly became a big star after Parkland? Like, we never really saw that, where one of the kids from a high school shooting becomes a big, like, Democrat star. And I, was, I always thought that was kind of funny. Did you know that a couple days ago, he dropped on Twitter out of nowhere that his father was I don't know if he still is, but was an FBI agent for many years. And he was trying to respond to the fact that people were making fun of him that like, you know, he doesn't look like the type that could even pick up a gun and he always talks about gun control. It's like I I, I was always around guns. My father was an FBI. I thought that was really fascinating. You know why it's fascinating? <clears throat> Couple of things. Couple of things. Remember, he wasn't even at the school that day. And we never knew why. Now it wasn't a big deal, you know, you missed days. But you put it all together. I'm just telling you, it it really makes you wonder. If I didn't have Las Vegas, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But it used to be that I thought, oh, the government doesn't want us to know who really did it. They're covering for like antifa they're covering for islamic terrorists that they like like it's kind of like pc no now i suspect the fbi is behind some of this stuff and has been for longer than we could appreciate that's really what i wonder about vegas that the fbi was behind it think about it we have testimony from so many agents now top agents That, like, no, this is not, like, figuratively speaking. They are literally the— It's not like, okay, they enforce the laws, but then they also dabble in going after conservatives. That is their main thing. So if that's your main thing, and their main modus operandi is false flag operations, informants, um, entrapment, well, no one has the authority and resources like the FBI to induce catalyzing events that could then help the Democrats build off politically and build a gun control agenda or something like that. That's what I believe. I'm sorry. Based on their behavior, Thomas Massey could testify that after every single big shooting, there was a briefing to congressmen, except for the biggest of all in Vegas. So then I see with Hogg, suddenly becomes a big star. Now we know his father's an FBI agent, wasn't there that day, makes you wonder. And Uvalde still is just weird you have a two thousand dollar Daniel defense. <clears throat> where did this guy come from? You had fifty trillion federal agents of like all different branches on site in three seconds, but then it was the longest standoff forever where they didn't do anything makes you wonder makes you wonder sorry i've no I've no choice but to go down that um that avenue so just keep that in mind republicans to this day have not even articulated a vision that would help all right we're going to move on to a couple other issues energy we talked a lot about blowing up the pipeline yesterday um the german government is now announcing price cap for household and business natural gas prices um total cost of up to 200 billion the german finance minister said we're in an energy war with russia I'm just going to tell you the Germans don't seem that unhappy about the pipeline blowing blowing up. And again, because this is what they want. They want to be able to tell the people, look, you have no choice but to live like this. We don't have the gas. We don't have the oil. Same thing with COVID. Look, you're going to die. I mean, we wish it weren't like this, but there's COVID.
0: We can even go further. One of the newest developments is that nanoparticulate matter can be stabilized a distribution. If you're not aware of what nanoparticulate matter is, it's that matter which exists on a scale of 1 times 10 to the minus ninth. Very, very small. Smaller than a cell. And we can manufacture materials that have discrete properties that can be controlled by virtue of bioengineering and their physical chemistry. To auto-aggregate, to be able to aggregate in particular areas based upon their biological and their chemical sensitivity. But now we go one step further. Most recently, just a few weeks ago, it was announced that you could then aerosolize nanomaterials. And go one step further, I can create small robotic units, controllable robotic units at the nanoscale, and that these, too, can be aerosolized to create a nanoswarm of biopenetrable materials that you cannot see that can penetrate all but the most robust biochemical filters that are able to integrate themselves through a variety of membranes, mucous membranes, and wherever mouth, nose, ears, eyes can be then uptaken into the vascular system to create clumping, can affect the vascular system of the brain, or can directly diffuse into the brain space, and these can be weaponized. And they can be done in such a level that their presence is almost impossible to detect, and as such, the attribution becomes exceedingly difficult to demonstrate. How much of this material would I need? Take a look. This is the front of my pen. This amount of nanomaterial, if be able to maintain and sustain with regard to its deliverability and aerosolization, could, in fact, affect all of you. Or, based upon where I come from, New York City, all yous. Look at this. Look at this. I'm carrying that material. Would you see it? Would I have to lug a giant weapon into the room? No, I wouldn't. And what if, in fact, I utilize some form of an unmanned aerial device or unmanned ground device as a delivery vehicle? Something like a drone or a bug. Could I do something with that? So
1: they are going to do more and more of this. I want to follow up from one other thing we talked about yesterday with self-spreading nanoparticles and what they could do to you. Someone sent me this 2-minute clip here from James Giordano. He's a DARPA dude. And they're at the lead of this, lecturing at Georgetown, speaking to military officers. Take a listen to what he what what, what he talked about and you you're, you're going to see that my suspicion is correct. Okay, guys. So, you heard that? Aerosolized nanoparticles and have small robots embedded in, in those nanoparticles that can penetrate your body. You don't even know. It could uptake in the vascular system and create clumping, which is interesting, impossible to protect against. And he also noted a bug could deliver that. Just remember <clears throat> Bill Gates and his mosquito factory. I mean, again, it's there if you want to look at it. If you don't, you won't know about this. But they absolutely have some of this technology to do that. And he's attesting to that. So if they want to, you, against your will, just control your body, they probably can. And again, it just, it just speaks to the urgency of not playing politics as usual. Get beyond that. Get beyond that. We need a list of grievances and a list of solutions. This is what, and even if you don't have a political ability yet to implement them, but at least you point that boat, God, I see the truth. I want to return to your word. I want to do the right thing. I want to be pro-life. I want to save lives, and being pro-life is literally about fighting this transhumanist movement the arson of our healthcare, of our food, of our energy, the control and servitude of human mind, body, and soul. It's not just about abortion. Return to God. Speak the truth. And then that's all you can do. I know it doesn't sound like an amazing plan, but that is the plan. Part of why I would argue that we're not in that position yet is because we're too mealy mouthed defending. Republicans that are doing the same thing. Let's break clear from that. Clean break. And I am going to talk more about that. Running independent candidates in a general election. The time is, is beyond. It's beyond time to do it. That. That's how at least you get our message out. Oh, Daniel, you only get 5% of the vote. Maybe at first. But that's how it starts. Right now, we're trapped in that contaminated body of the Republican Party. I'm telling you. They fear a 5% new movement that could grow and take over the world than a 50 to 60% GOP control, which they don't fear at all, of course. <laughs> and folks, this is why broadly, I believe, contrary to conventional wisdom, that yes, a small tent movement is superior to a large tent. Oh, we need a big tent. We need a big tent. That's always the line. You know, and and on the surface, it makes sense. Well, you want 51% at least, right? You want a majority. But again, that presupposes that politics is a math. It's not a math. It's an art. So you have to understand beyond the surface. And when you have a large tent that is run by and largely filled up with pro-homosexual agenda, pro-medical fascism, pro-all this stuff with a couple of flavors, all that does is subvert us and ensure that we can't stand on our own two feet as an intrepid clarion call to the public oh wow that that sounds truthful they seem to be right um we're drowned out and it also ensures that a legitimate opposition never arises whereas if you have a small pure movement it might at, at its beginning stage be too small to make a difference although nowadays i would argue in the with the news cycle and this is what the left is so scared of It doesn't take much to go viral and for the truth to get get out. That's the good news. And you gradually grow it in a way that's healthy. You have healthy growth. And that's how you can make a difference. So, again, this is why it's like, well, Daniel, you know, it's like all or nothing. I need a new party instantaneously. Well, we definitely need a new party. But even without that, you could focus on a couple of candidates that you think could have a big impact and you could try to go, go in as an independent in general elections where it makes sense to do that. It's true both morally, God is more likely to bless your, your uh, actions with results if they're pure, and just strategically, it's like that too. That entire vote for the lesser of two evils thing has failed so miserably we could never even imagine living in a time like we're living today. Anyway, just wanted to go through some uh, COVID stuff before we sew up. Um, Turns out that since February, okay, Taiwan has experienced 13% more deaths and 17% fewer births than in the same period in 2021. That makes no sense. This is Omicron. 14,500 more deaths, 12,500 fewer births. Okay? There were over 10,000 non-COVID-related excess deaths in Europe alone in just one week. I want you guys to think about that. Think about what that means and the consequences of that. How terrifying that is why this is indeed the new pro-life movement. And then, increasingly, it's becoming clear, as I mentioned, that the vaccines were a stratagem to ensure that the virus never gets blocked by herd immunity. This is from Will Jones of Daily Skeptic. Vaccination increases infection risk by 44%. There's a new study out from Oxford published in The Lancet, so you can't get more top-notch than that okay and the period of time spanned from alpha through delta not really omicron yet alpha through delta so even the older versions they found that you are 44 percent more likely to get infected if you had the shots and and we knew that we talked about that ages ago imagine again if you had a smaller albeit consistent standalone movement that would have been heard earlier on how many lives could have been saved but thanks to the GOP to this day they're blocking that information and again their their biggest thing now is to ensure that we have flu shots because everyone's you know prone to take those right that's like you know so safe no it isn't but <laughs> And use mRNA platforms. Just to show you the spirit of the age that we live in, there's a Washington Post article out. Um, There's there's a column, Ask Damon. Should I get my anti-vax friend's baby vaccinated without telling them? This is literally where they're up to. They say they have a nine-month-old baby. They haven't vaccinated him. I babysit for them every other weekend. Should I take the baby to get his shots without telling them? And this, uh, this is published, <coughs> um, despite the person asking to do an illegal activity, okay, without parental consent. Um, so the guy was like, well, I favor vaccination. Your friend. Obviously, they're acting dangerously. I trust that the PhDs and MDs have spent thousands of hours and yada yada, that they're right. But then he says... <coughs> What you're suggesting is reckless and criminal. But again, this is how you – because public is not ready for that yet, so they have to tamp it down. But gradually, that's how they're going to move the Overton window over. And again, I don't think they're going to have to grab your kids. I think they're going to come up with technology that they really already have to do it. So this is all to say that we are facing threats That we could have never faced. We are living not in the 1980s era of Reagan patriotism. We are living in an era where we now know our government is run by a bunch of thugs and terrorists. Now, I'm not going to say this is 100% new, that the FBI and similar agencies didn't do bad things and use their power badly in the past, but it was more of a mixed bag at least. Now it's exclusively going to be used against us. Because you, you find their sudden impotence. Oh, they can't find the terrorists. They don't know. But when it comes to our people, boy, do they find their moxie. The FBI needs to be dismantled. But we need a party that's willing to run on that. The Republican Party never will. They never will. Yes, you need to slay that idol of the GOP. And unfortunately, that includes Mr. Trump... Tell me if you disagree. I'd love to hear from you. Again, Daniel Harowitz at Startmail.com. Also, just want to end off on a, on a bright note. Uh, so many of you have enjoyed these Patriot Academy trips, um, handgun defense training we've done in New Mexico. And here's the thing. And some of you out in Front Sight, Nevada, I want to know how many of you are interested, especially those of you who have already gone out, to have another trip. Right, today they're finishing up the first one, there's another one next week. Those of you who are either out this week, unfortunately I'm not there, but I'll be at the next one for a skill builders update. You know, so if you went through it before or to do what we do with handgun, do a shotgun and rifle. Kind of interesting. I want to know what you guys think. It would be either in New Mexico or maybe at a new facility in Central Texas, one of the two. So let me know, danielherwitz at starmail.com. Of course, you can follow me on Telegram at C19TruthBombs, at C19TruthBombs, and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. I'm about out of voice and out of time. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.